0: Saturday night yeah. I pray for the- Thank you for tuning into big 10 on tap. This is episode four brought to you by the on tap sports net. I am John Suarez joined with you by my co-host
1: Johnny Nani. How are we doing today, Johnny? Uh, I'm heartbroken, John. Uh, that's the best word I could use to describe after Illinois performance uh, on Saturday, uh, losing to a Mac team in Eastern Michigan, who, like I said, is no slouch uh, on the last episode, but you know, the, the, fashion that they did, you know, falling behind, coming back tied up and then uh, letting them march right down the field. Uh, heartbroken how about you
0: yeah tough pill to swallow Um, I'm feeling a little bit better Uh, Northwestern did pull off a victory so we'll talk a lot about that Um, but I went to the game so I did not get to see the heartbreaking ending to the Eastern Michigan Illinois game that I'm sure you somehow managed to stream on your phone as you were at a wedding so we'll talk a little bit about how the rest of your Saturday went after you found that out but yeah, I, uh, I've i been riding this high. Um, conference play starts and right back into that gauntlet. You know, we talked about it in week one, Northwestern, six of their first seven games are against uh, preseason ranked opponents. So right back to it, Michigan State this weekend, they are no longer ranked. They did lose last week, but still a tough opponent. So we'll talk about that. But yeah, let's hear it, Johnny. How was your uh, how was your weekend? At least you, pro- you went to a wedding, so I'm sure you had a little bit of fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. So it was my cousin's wedding uh, and his now wife uh, is originally from Lexington, Kentucky. So they had it down there uh, so her family could be around and close by. Uh, But I mean, the wedding itself was a lot of fun. So that was great. But uh, the timing of it was on Saturday. The ceremony was at 2 p.m. So I got to watch a decent amount of the first quarter of the Illinois game while I was still at the hotel getting ready. And then I went over to the church and we got there a little bit early. uh, So I was in the Church parking lot listening to it on my phone, and then, uh, you know, I had to go in uh, for the ceremony. And when I went in, uh, they were down. Uh, the, the last drive I had heard before I uh, had to shut it off was uh, Illinois. Kind of got stalled in the middle of the second quarter, um, and they did to themselves with penalties and like back-to-back penalties that really uh, stalled the momentum, and I think was a turning point in this game. And I'll get to that further in the breakdown. But then, uh, I, when the wedding ceremony was finished itself, I pull up my phone and I'm checking it, and I see you know Illinois is down by a touchdown, and Michigan was up by uh, you know uh, thirty. Yeah, Michigan, uh, Eastern Michigan had thirty-one at that point. And I was like, "Oh crap!" I was like, "I it, think they were fine. down by two touchdowns
0: yeah. before that, too." Yeah,
1: they were. They were down yeah. two, but so for that first one, I I didn't catch it all, um, at least like streaming wise. So. Um... Then I was just, you know, kind of sitting there and we're waiting for them to take their pictures so we can go over to the reception hall. And I'm just refreshing You're like, Hurry the fuck up. Yeah. This is getting <laughs> exhilarating. Refreshing, refreshing my phone constantly, and then I see they tied it up, and I was like, oh, I was like, oh sweet, hell yeah! And there's like, I believe one forty three left or one thirty four something like that left on the clock. 2%. and i was like all right i was like all right all right yeah it was like this is a little bit you know nerve-wracking but hopefully you know we can uh, you know send this thing to overtime um, especially in college with like the the clock stopping every every gain and down so yeah.
0: that's difficult yeah that's a lot of time yeah
1: so, <laughs> right. so like you had said uh, they left them too much time and then as i uh, refreshed the next time they were down eastern michigan got down to the illinois like seven yeah and they then, had uh, a
0: very easy field goal <laughs> At yep, the end of yeah, i saw the highlight true.
1: The Lovey's touted defense, uh, Lovey being a defensive coach and whatnot, uh, let them walk right down the field to score uh, the game. You know, they kick the game winning field goal as time expired. So, like you'd said, uh, left too much time. So uh, that, that was frustrating, but um, unfortunately, as an Illinois fan, I'm kind of used to it at, at this point. Uh, and so it sucked, but then I mean, the rest of the night was still fun because I got to, you know, talk it out because my uh, uncle and then some of my other cousins over there, they're all big Illinois fans, a couple of them alums. So um, mm-hmm. we can talk through it and drink through it. So that was, uh, uh, that's yeah, nice. we'll, we'll get more into the specifics, X's and those of the game, but yeah, still still a fun Saturday, good time uh, celebrating my cousin uh, that's and that's his it. wife. So uh, it was a good time. But uh, how was your uh, first game that you attended the season?
0: It was good. Uh, first home game of the uh, first home game of the season for Northwestern. They welcomed uh, UNLV, who I had said on last week that I was like, I think it's their first ever meeting with them. Total fucking lie. They've met like I think six times in total, and like they they've even <laughs> met like while I've been alive. They played last in like two thousand one, I want to say, so I was like five, but still. So uh, it was actually really cool because Drake Anderson had like a career day. Uh, the son of former northwestern star damian anderson who does not like to take pictures with fans just gonna side note it right then and there (laughs) ran into (laughs) damian anderson in the bathroom at halftime uh asked him to take a picture with me and he was like oh yeah hold on one second proceeded to like finish his text like kind of look up at me look away and then just like step up to the urinal and I just kind of, like, stood there, and I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to, like, wait to piss so I could take a picture with this dude. So I just, like, walked over to the other urinal, like, down the line, and then he was just gone. I was like, thanks for the <laughs> fucking picture, man. So, total side note, totally irrelevant. I was kind of salty, but it happens. That's life. Um, But, yeah, his first career um game of over 100 yards came against UNLV. I think he—I don't know his stats. I know An- Drake Anderson's stats, but basically— He mirrored his dad's stats almost to a T. It was actually really cool to see. And uh, it was kind of a coming out party for him. So we're going to talk a little bit about him. He was essentially the whole offense this week. So a little spoiler on the Offensive Player of the Week. But besides that, the atmosphere was not, like, obviously how it would be for, like, a Big Ten game. Or, like, when I went last year, That I went to the Notre Dame game. That atmosphere was a lot of fun. It was a 2.30 Saturday, like, early September, against a Mountain West opponent. wasn't wasn't a hot showing. Um, And their defense looked really sloppy, so we're definitely going to talk about that. But the game itself was fun. Always fun. I actually checked out this bar that I totally forgot the fucking name of. God damn it. But I remember where it was, so I'll definitely go back. But they had really good wings. Um, They had this, like, uh, crazy beer list with, like, 30 40 different crafts on tap it was insane but the catch was they didn't have the illinois game on at all when i pulled up like at all i had to ask my server to have them put it on <laughs> because they were they were watching fucking ohio state stomp out indiana on like 80 percent of their tvs i was like you guys are doing this wrong
1: yeah, it's like Ohio yeah. State's good, but it's like it's not a good we, game. There, it would be understandable if there was a good game somewhere else, like an SEC game going on at that same time like or something. I fucking but it's like, get
0: it. There was a good game. I can't remember what it was, and they didn't even have that game on, but I cared more about Illinois losing to Eastern Michigan at that point. When I had walked in the door, I was like, I need to yeah, watch. And it, it was
1: closer. It was closer than anything else that would have been on at the time.
0: Yeah, it was. There, that time slot was a fucking dud. Uh, this week, that time slot is like slam, jam-packed. Northwestern obviously plays in that time slot. But you got, like, Wisconsin-Michigan at noon. There's another, like, I think there's, like, another SEC game at noon that's, like, a crazy good game. And uh, we got some kickoff announcement times that we're going to get to, too. So, yeah, like, uh, let's, let's get into the news, Johnny, before we start rambling on and on about a Saturday that I enjoyed and you probably didn't too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I enjoyed myself uh, time-wise, but, yeah, for the result-wise and uh, my heart hurts uh, like i'd mentioned a little broken but uh yeah the news uh we'll do that as we usually do before we get into these games uh reggie corbin returned to action so that was a positive for illinois um and i will talk a little bit more about him when we get into the game itself but it was good to have your top running back threat uh back there in the backfield uh mike epstein the running back that uh went down in the first week uh he underwent successful knee surgery down in florida um this week so he posted a tweet about it we retweeted it from the big 10 on tap account i'm good to see him uh you know uh get that done right now so then hopefully he can be back uh, with eyes on week one in uh 2020 so i
0: saw that tweet and the the wording on it he like missed a comma somewhere and it made it seem like he was saying god lives in
1: pensacola florida he was like (laughs) god
0: is good in pensacola florida or some shit
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, I saw that, too. It was a little weird wording on it. But, uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, you know, uh, on the road to recovery now, so that's good. Um, Another news just for Illinois. Um, and the, Let's see. Defensive lineman Larry Oladipo suspended for violating team rules out indefinitely. Uh, no wording on that yet. You know, they usually stay pretty uh, hush on that front uh, when it comes to a suspension. So, is that
0: one uh, of the USC
1: guys? Uh, no, it's not. But, yeah, he's, he was probably out partying or something. That's usually what it is. Um okay and then uh for we we got a lot of questionables uh so we don't have a full injury report don't know who for sure is going who isn't but uh defensive lineman uh Jamal Woods uh defensive lineman Kenyon Jackson offensive lineman Kendrick Green um Defensive back Tony Adams and defensive back Stanley Green, all questionable for Saturday's game against Nebraska. So uh, the the biggest names there, John, are uh, defensive backs Tony Adams and Stanley Green, uh, because I will talk about it a lot when we get to the game, but you know, uh, safety play has been brutal uh, for Illinois so far. So um we really need it feels like we're on you know third fourth stringers here, and uh, they, they let way too many big gains this week. So uh, that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. if, if there's any updates uh, after this episode gets released, we will uh, tweet them out. So uh, get get on to the Northwestern news here um because then I'm sure I will be rambling a lot more about this game.
0: Yeah, a little bit uh, lengthier here um injury news on the northwestern front I was at the game and I actually didn't know that Malik Washington was injured and left the game with an injury um I was aware Jesse Brown had left the game he was actually having himself a nice day I believe he had like uh he, he was averaging like 10 yards a carry He had like eight carries for almost like 90 yards when he did get hurt he definitely to that point was the team's leading rusher but that allowed Drake Anderson to step up pretty big time um little bit of a side note on that, just released uh, earlier this week that Brown and Isaiah Bowser, who sat out last week, the team's uh, number one running back, are both listed as questionable heading into this weekend against Michigan State. Uh, big news because Northwestern has a decent amount of running backs on scholarship. I think they have five, but one of them's hurt like for the whole year. I think he's going to redshirt. And then another one is John Moten, who's a fifth year senior, who coming into this year, you know, you thought would have had a decent role, especially with Bowser and Brown being hurt. I think he had two carries against UNLV, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know what's up with that. They definitely relied heavily on Drake Anderson. I don't know if that was to kind of prepare him for a team like Michigan State, just in case they needed him to step up big. But yeah, so that's something to look out for. The running back room is very thin as it it stands right now. Um, Other than that, defensively, Joe Gaziano was named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. He had himself a really good game. Uh, Drake Anderson was also named co-Big Ten Freshman of the Week, so a couple of... Honors there early on in the season for Northwestern. That was Northwestern's first uh, defensive player of the week in the Big Ten in almost two seasons. So that's pretty cool. Uh, A little kickoff time announcement right in time for the episode. It was just announced yesterday that next week's game at uh, Wisconsin, always a huge game. I feel like it's been the game that's decided the West the last like three years. Maybe definitely two, maybe three, if my memory serves me correctly. That game is gonna also be an eleven a m kick, and it's also gonna be on ABC. So back to back weeks, the cats are gonna be that eleven a m ABC kickoff. Uh, and they're rocking those pretty fucking ugly throwback jerseys. I'm not the biggest fan of them. They're pretty plain <laughs> that I mean, that's I haven't seen the helmets that they're gonna wear with them. I've only seen like the jerseys. So if they bust out some pretty sick fucking helmets, like one that I really like that Northwestern used to have is they used to have a white helmet with, like, a purple N, and it was, like, a cursive, like, lowercase n. And it sounds like it would be stupid, but it actually looks pretty badass. So if they bust those helmets out, that would be fucking dope. Um, Other than that, little Cats in the NFL plug real quick. Trevor Simeon, we were so looking forward to him starting Monday Night Football Cats Nation. And, unfortunately, not everything can go our way. Trevor Simeon was rolling out for a pass in the second quarter, had not really gotten himself established to that point. I think he only had like three yards passing on three completions, which don't even ask me how that's possible, but was rolling out. Miles Garrett debatably hit him late, probably a late. I'm pretty sure he got flagged for roughing the passer. Anyways, Simeon's ankle became... The topic of Twitter for, like, a two-hour stretch, it was not pretty. Simeon's ankle definitely snapped in a funny way. He ended up tearing a couple ligaments in his ankle, so he's going to be out for the year. Very sad news because Darnold being out with Mano, congrats on the kiss again, um he was going to be out and they were saying hope like maybe even through week five so that would have given Simeon three games to you know kind of get himself established and even if to that point all the quarterback injuries if you're getting yourself established through three games with stats you can go play somewhere else so that's kind of sad news um other than that shocking news in the nfl justin jackson is leading the nfl in yards per carry through two weeks uh, the back is averaging 8.9 yards per carry and would be averaging more had it not been for a penalty that was called. He had a 60-yard touchdown run against the Lions late in the game that would have put the Chargers ahead that ended up getting called back for a holding that was like literally fucking 10 yards to the side of the play. That was so irrelevant. Like, it, I honestly was pissed watching that highlight. Um, Other than that, not many other active uh, cats in the NFL this past week. Anthony Walker did play a majority of the Colts' snaps, but only registered one tackle. So that's a little alarming coming off of uh, leading the team in tackles last week.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't round up the Illini in the pros stats uh, for this week, but I, I think every week you can just bank on Whitney Merciless having a solid game for yep. the Houston Texans. Pretty so, fucking uh, much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's legit. Um, but uh, back, you know, that sucks for uh, Trevor Simeon. Uh, I feel bad for the kid. Uh, unfortunately, like you had said, didn't even really have a chance to establish himself uh, and would have had the opportunity with Darnold being out um, for, you know, at least that, almost a month period of time here um going back to when they announced that he would be out so uh that sucks for him uh hopefully he can uh heal up and uh, be good to go next year but you had asked um one thing i was going to jump in but you were on a roll you said uh, i don't even know how that's possible uh three yards on three uh completions it's the goddamn jets john (laughs) <laughs> the goddamn jets that's how
0: that's true that game was tough i actually was out to eat and didn't watch any of it but it was like following along on my phone for fantasy purposes and then
1: stopped following along after like a quarter yeah yeah uh, that sucks but um yeah uh, i i think it's time to just uh you know tear the band-aid off here for me um, i gotta get right into the illinois eastern michigan game if that's all right with you uh do a little rant um, overall takeaways, like I'd said, so uh, it wasn't it wasn't it isn't going to be as detailed as I would like uh, because I was you know busy on Saturday with the wedding and whatnot. Uh, I could only watch uh, the stuff that I actually saw on TV uh, was maybe only until about five four minutes left in the first quarter so uh, overall uh, defense was bad Uh, when you just look at the passing chunk yardage that they gave up um, not good like I said they're playing with like third string safeties here Uh, and the guys look lost out there Uh, it's kind of inexcusable for Lovey being a defensive coach Um, and that's you know what what his bread and butter is and they still haven't been able to figure it out back there so uh, that was extremely disappointing Uh, I talked about turning points and Illinois shooting themselves in the foot uh they did it twice once in the second quarter once in the third quarter in the second quarter when i was still listening they had – it wasn't it wasn't like a um, firing on all cylinders drive, but they, they were moving the ball a little bit. Uh, I think they started on or around their own 24 or something like that, and they were moving it up to uh, just around Eastern Michigan territory had picked up a, a couple of first downs. And then back-to-back penalties. Uh, I believe there was a holding that set them back 10 yards, and then Brandon Peters' intentional grounding on the next play. Just completely stalled that drive, and at that point, if Illinois would have marched down the field and scored – they would have extended a lead over Eastern Michigan at that point uh, in the middle of the second quarter, but instead, instead, uh, they get backed up. I think it was back to their own 31 or something like that, and then they had to punt, and Eastern Michigan scored on the ensuing drive easily and took the lead. Um, and then it looked like they kind of, you know, weren't going to look back. Then uh, there was a comeback late in this game, but before I get to that, another turning point where Illinois could have. Uh, you know, shaking off the whatever that, that sucks. Bad quarter, you, you can make halftime adjustments, come back, uh, and have a better go of it in the second half. Instead, uh, Peters throws an interception, they're still in Illinois territory, and I believe is on the 39 yard line when, uh, where the interception was caught and downed, uh, no return on the interception. But still, um, th- that would have been a huge, huge opportunity for Illinois to get themselves uh, mentally back in this game, uh, and they just couldn't because then um, we saw the Eastern Michigan's passing attack. I mean, they were busting big plays. There were a couple drives that only took uh, two plays on one of the drives. Uh, I think another one only took seven. Um, just w- way too many massive uh, gains th- that I saw. And like I said, that can pretty much all be attributed to the secondary and then also linebackers dropping back in coverage looking lost. So um, definitely not great, Bob, as we would say. Um, and another thing, something that Illinois kind of pride themselves on was getting to the quarterback. Uh, Wole Batiku still leads the nation in sacks. He did have one this week, but that was the only sack for Illinois this week. Um, so definitely not, you know, Batiku himself against UConn had three and a half sacks. So, uh, and then they also had, I think two other guys that, that recorded sacks in that UConn game that only won, um, this week. So obviously not getting to the quarterback as effectively. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, penalties, 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 uh, just shooting yourself in the foot. Um, I, I have it on here somewhere. Yeah. Nine penalties for 80 yards for Illinois. Eastern Michigan only had two penalties for 20 yards all game. So, and of course, Illinois came at critical times too. uh, So they got to clean that up, man. That's on the coaching staff right there. I I know there's stuff within the play holdings that the offensive line needs to clean up, but uh, man, you got to be more disciplined than that. And I believe that comes from, you know, practice coaching. Probably it should have been, you know, stuff that was addressed day one of training camp. But, you know, here we are after week two, or excuse me, after week three, still talking about it. But, um again, like I mentioned the exciting point in this game was Illinois' late rally to tie it at 31 with a minute 44 left. Um they did finally uh, find a little bit of an offensive groove. Uh, felt like it was motivated out of, you know, absolute necessity uh, because it was. You know, it would be nice to see that stuff in the mid to late second quarter and also early on in the third quarter to establish themselves and not be in this position. Uh, but they did end up coming down tying it, and it was a really, really solid effort by uh, Josh and Matterbaby um, on the goal line. Uh, he had caught it probably around the four-yard line, and broke through a tackle and extended the hand and got over the goal line for the tying touchdown. Uh, well, I mean, they put him with one, and then uh, McCourt buried the extra point, no problem. So that tied the game, like I said, 144 left. Uh, and then the defense just absolutely let Eastern Michigan march right down the field. Uh, seven seconds left, I believe. They were on like the uh, six or seven-yard line, maybe eight. And uh, and it was just the most disappointing thing to watch, refreshing on my phone, you know, extra ex, uh Eastern Michigan kicks field goal 0, 0, 0 left on the clock so <laughs> that sucked um, Illinois also uh, had a fumble in addition to that Peters pick that I had mentioned before and they only had one uh, takeaway on the day of fumble recovery so uh, losing the turnover battle losing the game there and um, A couple bright spots that I will point out as, uh, I mean, I kind of got to uh, pick and choose what I can. Uh, Dele Harding uh, recorded 17 tackles on the day, so uh, that was huge. But even he, in in coverage, uh, looked a little bit lost. So that's going to have to be cleaned up fast against Nebraska. And then uh, James McCourt, man, uh, 57-yarder. He absolutely nailed uh, his field goal attempt. That was something that after week one he had missed uh, kind of more of a chip shot. I think it was only like 31, 32 yards in week one but he was good against UConn and good against on his one attempt uh, against uh, Eastern Michigan this week. And he was four for four on extra points. So there'd be my positives. Uh, I can kind of leave it on that note because I'm unfortunate as much as it sucks and yeah, it's uh, deflating and shit like this shouldn't happen in year four of a rebuild. Um, you got to move on. What can you do? If you reflect on it too much, then you're just going to carry that over into Nebraska. So that's kind of the mentality that I'm going to take. And I think it may be a little easier to stomach that I didn't have to watch that actually happen live. Um, just saw it on the phone. So uh, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, if you have any uh, comments for me, I know you're probably not feeling too sorry for me, uh, but uh, if you have any comments then you can get it as a Northwestern game.
0: No. Yeah. I mean, I, all I gotta say is I warned you. I kind of saw it coming. I didn't want to be that guy. Even Vegas kind of, you know, that line just kept dropping and dropping. It actually even dropped after we recorded even more. So I don't know. I I don't know much about Eastern Michigan's football program, but it's one of those things where you don't find out that much until um, like a game like that happens. I guess Eastern Michigan's coach has more Big Ten wins in the last
1: three years than Lovie Smith. Oh, I, I I bet there's probably even a couple other coaches that have that. Yeah. I wouldn't put it past, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, so when I saw that stat, that, like, kind of put it into perspective for me. That, like, I, I felt bad for you. That hurt. Uh, I remember those days when Northwestern, you know, would finish season's fight. It wasn't even too long ago. Five and seven, four and eight, uh, shit like that. And it sucks, dude, so... I feel for you there. Um, definitely, like I had said last week, gotta break all those like bad habits before you get into Big Ten play because you guys got nine straight Big Ten games now, starting with a very tough one against Nebraska. So, uh, Nebraska is still a young team, definitely a tough team to start against, but also a favorable team to start against. You know, you get a little bit of experience and you guys get some camaraderie going together. You guys can easily pull off an upset against Nebraska, and that's just the type of victory that you guys would need to, you know, turn it around. Um, other than that, like you had said, turnovers key, obviously they're always going to be key and, uh, your guys defense, you know, the secondary that's, that's obviously a huge red flag, especially with you had said two of your defensive backs being listed as questionable heading into Nebraska, Adrian Martinez is going to air that ball the
1: fuck out. I'll tell you right now. And I already, know yes, you know he it. is. <laughs> I already know. I'll you get, know I'll that get into that. in My Nebraska preview. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah.
0: sure. Yeah it so, will do it with his
1: feet too, so I uh, don't get yep. too, uh, you know, drop back on him. <laughs>
0: yeah, 2 added monster, dude, and he's, he's tough. So And he just gets better each fucking week, which sucks. So um, other than that, 57-yard field goal, that's
1: impressive. I didn't see that. I didn't know that happened, so, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I believe that it was tied for the longest at Memorial Stadium uh, for an Illinois kicker. So uh, that, that's good news for James McCourt um, because I'd mentioned uh, if – we're going to have lapses like that and stuff, a field goal can eventually, and I mean, it did for Eastern Michigan, it can end up winning you a game. So hopefully Illinois is in a position like that uh, and looking more favorable than I had thought after week one, just because I didn't know all that much about James McCourt, didn't see him, obviously, with Chase McLaughlin being so locked down uh, over the past season. So uh, just good to see. I got to take a positive way where I can there. So that's why I wanted to mention that. And Illinois will have a little bit of a special teams advantage this weekend uh, because I'll get into it in my Nebraska preview, but they are a bit sloppy.
0: Good. All right, so uh, moving into Northwestern, UNLV, Northwestern did win the final score, was 30-14. to Um, I was in attendance, like I had said earlier. It was – it was – Kind of a boring game at times, but still, it was exciting to see the offense um, get some momentum going after a week, or a bye week, and then the week before where they had struggled mightily moving the ball, especially running the ball, so you could tell that it was kind of a focus um, in the game plan heading into this week, and the game plan was executed very well uh, to start the game. Nine-place, 75-yard drive, capped off by a a one-yard touchdown run by Hunter Johnson. Uh, Johnson looked a little shaky early on. I believe it was either the second or the third drive that the Cats had. He did throw an interception on a ball that he definitely forced, um, especially even seeing it from the stands. It did not look like a good pass at all. And that set up UNLV for a touchdown. So something that maybe against a team like UNLV, not going to be – a shot in the foot, but you can't make those type of mistakes heading into big-time play. So something that he's going to have to go back, digest that tape, and definitely uh, figure it out. But he figured it out on the fly, actually. He uh, didn't have any really any blemishes after that. He had a couple of incomplete passes on some balls that could have been caught, but wasn't really his fault. Uh, he ended up finishing the day pretty well. I think he had like a little bit over 150 yards passing, but his rushing game is something that is, you know, Northwestern hasn't seen that running element to the quarterback game. You know, Clayton Thorson was sneaky fast, but he never, they never really incorporated the run. He kind of had to run sometimes. So now they're incorporating, you know, a lot of reads back into the offense and some RPOs, which. Fitz kind of contradicted himself there because that's like as he said yeah, last didn't year. didn't you say that was communism? Him, was communism? Yeah, so <laughs> they definitely ran a couple RPOs. I'm not gonna lie, um, but they ran them effectively. So
1: that's yeah, well he it. said he said that when the quarterback wasn't the same fit that he has now, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, going into half, the score was 16 to 14. Northwestern was down 14 to uh, seven at one point actually. Um, run defense looked very very beatable i guess you could say especially on the edge rushes so they gave up two big touchdowns one for uh 65 yards and another for 37 yards both to charles williams who we had talked about previewing unlv last uh episode he ended up going off i think he ran for like 150 yards obviously if you have a 65 and a 37 yard run right there you're already over 100 but yeah so they were both on uh And they were both to edge linebacker Chris Bergen's side. And, you know, you could see it on the tape after I went home and I watched the highlights. He was just a little slow getting to the edge. So something that they are going to have to figure out, they're going to be facing backs like Williams in the Big Ten all year, especially next week when you have to face a top five running back in the nation in Jonathan Taylor. So. If I'm Wisconsin, I'm going and I'm watching that tape and I'm giving Jonathan Taylor the keys to a 300-yard day. So not something that you want to see moving forward, definitely something they're going to have to clean up. But like I said, they had a couple field goals. Charlie Kubander, who missed a key field goal against Stanford. You know, Kubander's a junior. He's been around for a couple years. He's been kicking ever since he was a freshman. He actually kicked a uh, clutch field goal against Michigan State two years ago to send the game to overtime. It ended up finishing in triple overtime, Northwestern 1. But he uh, he was three for three. He had a 30 yard, 33 yard, and a 44 yard field goal, and it was nice to see him get his confidence going because you know you don't like you had said, especially with uh, McLaughlin, you don't want to be worrying about field goal kicking or no, McCourt, my bad. You don't want to be worrying about field goal kicking moving forward when that is what could win ball games and cost yep. ball games, especially like it kind of did Northwestern against Stanford. Other than that, I believe that Northwestern just kind of let UNLV hang around too long. Uh, like I said it was 16-14 at half. They came out, they scored a touchdown pretty early in the third quarter and they didn't it was 23 to 14 for like a majority of the second half. Uh, Northwestern had a span where they they you know, the same old Northwestern, four straight drives, uh punt, turnover on downs, punt, punt. So, you know, you don't want to see your momentum stall like that you're going to be playing offenses that are going to keep their foot on the gas pedal the whole entire time, all 60 minutes. So you have to be able to maintain balance. You can't have a whole quarter and a half stretch where you're turning it over and punting it over and over. Yeah, against a team like UNLV. Yeah,
1: one thing I was gonna say, the team that you're playing, like UNLV, like that, that would be such a good opportunity to get that momentum going. Um, Obviously, you're not gonna convert at the same rate against a Michigan State or another Big Ten defense that's elite. Um, You know, like you would against a non-conference foe like UNLV. So that's definitely a point of concern that you had brought up there. You know, I would have, if I'm a Northwestern fan sitting there, I would definitely be like you, uh, a little frustrated at that because. With especially Bowser being questionable, uh, (laughs) you you wanted other guys to be able to step up and show that they can just put the ball in the end zone. Uh, And I feel like that just builds confidence and momentum. So uh, just something to look out for. I think he'll probably have a little little bit of a low-scoring game against Michigan State. but uh, Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, two teams that are very defensive-oriented. Yeah, that, I mean, that alone says basically everything it needs to say right there other than that the offensive line looked amazing all game obviously they were bigger than you on all these defensive lines so that's something to take into account but just the communication and the sizes of the holes that they gave drake anderson to run through when i went back and looked at the tape that was the one position group that really stood out in my eyes was the offensive line and you know you have a good offensive line you're going to win some games and you're going to have a good offense Um, but lastly, turnovers were definitely key in playing a role in the victory. They had one interception. Patty Fisher had an interception. Patty Fisher actually, uh, tied a Northwestern record for passes defended by a linebacker. I think he had four passes defended. Um, that's interesting. That means that they were trying to cut across the middle, which is an area that Northwestern's pass game is normally weak and Patty Fisher stepped up. You know, I had said it going into last week, we need Patty Fisher to step up. He's capable of putting up, Jansen-like numbers. He's capable of getting on PFF's radar. You know, he's a guy that's on first round draft mock drafts going into next year. So he's someone that we need to step up and be a leader. And this past week, he definitely did that. Uh, him and Gaziano together, That that's like probably one of my favorite Northwestern defensive combos uh, of all time, for sure. So other than that, all in all, it was a good game. Let's get into players of the week. I'll uh, I'll bounce mine out, and then we'll go over to the Illinois side. Um, kind of alluded to it earlier. Drake Anderson's going to get the uh, cat of the week on offense. He had 26 carries for 141 yards, and he didn't have a touchdown until his last carry. Until that 26th carry, he got a 7-yard touchdown run, first career touchdown. So that was really cool to see um drake anderson was northwestern's leading rusher against michigan state last year uh with a total of 12 yards so that would be nice to see him mirror that production that he just had against unlv going up against the spartans next week if not we need bowser to step up or someone in the run game because we had 46 total rushing yards against michigan state last year and that's not a recipe for success success. um defensively like i had said big 10 defensive player of the week gotta give him the nod joe gaziano had himself a freaking game Uh, nine tackles, two-and-a-half tackles for loss, and and one-and-a-half sacks. I actually think on that one-and-a-half sack, I I ended up seeing footage on it. He kind of got gifted that half sack. I don't really think he had much to do with that second sack. But, you know, I mean, (laughs) he'll he'll take take it. it. Yes, that's a lie. So um, not only that, he had forced a fumble, and then on a separate occasion recovered a different fumble. So he was just all over the place. Definitely a uh, playmaker on the defensive side all afternoon so that was awesome to see uh gaziano a guy we can hopefully get on the show at some point this year um i've actually i talked to him like one time before so could definitely open up some communication and hopefully get him on the show but other than that um your players of the week i'm sure you're excited to say the first one because this is a guy that you had said needed to step up big time for you and it looks like he did it just didn't really pan out in your guys favor
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So on Gaziano, I mean, well-deserved. You read off that line there. Uh, Definitely well-deserved for player of the week, and that would be sweet to have him on sometime. Uh, Would be looking forward to that. On to the Illinois side of things, though. Offensive-wise, I I was thinking about this as I was entering it, and overall for yardage-wise, I I mean, obviously the quarterback's always uh, most likely going to be. Your uh, top guy here, and I could have put Peters in here. He was 22 for 37, uh, 297 yards, uh, averaged eight eight yards per completion, uh, two touchdowns, but did throw the one pick. So Andy also kind of didn't uh, orchestrate the drives as well as I wanted to uh, when they needed it, like I had said, mid-second quarter and into the early third quarter. So I'm going to give it to Reggie Corbin, who's finally back this week. He had 18 carries, 144 yards, and touchdown, uh, like you'd mentioned. Just super excited for this guy to be back. Looks like he's healthy, and uh, they're going to need him. They're going to need him big time against uh, Nebraska because uh, it's going to be the type of game where they need some long runs, uh, some big, you know, touchdown runs uh, Reggie Corbin breaking his whatever 40 50 plus uh, yard runs like he had it on multiple occasions last year led the nation in it so um yeah, that's what I'll be looking for. I was glad to see him back and healthy. And like I had said, uh, some production there, 144 yards on 18 carries. On defense, I had mentioned his name earlier, uh, but just for the sheer numbers, Dele Harding, 17 total tackles, seven solo, and one and a half tackles for loss. So uh, usually that that's uh, Jake Hansen uh, racking up those no- type of numbers there uh, in the middle. Uh, this week he was Dele Harding. So it's good to see that other guys can step up, uh, but at the same time I would like to see him improve his pass coverage. But we got to go numbers, got to pick one, uh, definitely Dele Harding. Uh, deserving there because that that pops off the table and he, he was well above anyone else in uh, you know total tackles so um, that's who I'm gonna roll with uh, should, should we get into uh, week four matchups here John
0: yeah let's do it um, we'll go a little bit backwards here we'll start with your matchup which is going to be after the Northwestern game but since I just ramble on about Northwestern for like 10 minutes I will let you preview Nebraska and then we will bounce on over to Michigan State
1: for sure. So uh, it's Big Ten play is back, uh, and Illinois. It's not going to be an easy one, like we had mentioned. Uh, but also at the same time, could be uh, it could be worse. Uh, you could have a Michigan or a Wisconsin rolling into town to start. But instead, it is Nebraska. It will be a prime time game. Uh, we had mentioned this on a couple shows back. It was announced, uh, 7 p.m. Central Time start on Big Ten Network on Saturday night. Uh, spread right now in Nebraska's favor. Uh, they're favored by 13. Uh, Illinois last year lost at Nebraska, uh, 54 to 35 is an absolute shootout. And, um, I, I don't want to make excuses, but it definitely could have been closer if Illinois didn't muff two punts last year. So uh, I know Nebraska is not the same exact team that they were last year. Neither is Illinois. But, um, you know, it could have been closer. And if we were talking about an upset at Nebraska last year, maybe you're going into this one a little more confident. So just something to keep in mind. Uh, Nebraska on the season, uh, they opened with a 35-21 win over South Alabama. And then they went to Colorado and lost 34-31. And that one's interesting because they blew a 17-0 lead uh, that they went into the half with. So it definitely shows that they can be beaten and uh, the game would not be over, even if they are up a couple of scores. So uh, something to keep in mind there. And then uh, this most recent week, though, uh, they had Northern Illinois in town. Uh, and they rolled them 44-7. to seven. Uh, No problem there. Uh, actually, there were maybe a little bit of uh, issues just in one specific area, but I will get to that because that is at the tail end of my uh, preview here. Um, when you talk about Nebraska, the biggest thing is, you had mentioned him, and I had mentioned him earlier, uh, sophomore quarterback Adrian Martinez. Uh, the guy's a dual-threat talent. He's got four passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns on the season, 60% uh, completion rate. Um, they run a lot of zone uh, triple option, the the Purest form of communism, John, as uh, Fitz would say. Well, last year, Fitz would say. Um, and then they also, uh, with Scott Frost, they, they like to run some jet sweeps, reverses, uh, you know, spread it sideline to sideline. So um, Illinois defense is going to have their hands full. Um, when it comes to the running game, they have uh, two guys, and uh, I had seen this, and I believe it was a uh, champagne room, uh, the SB Nation site for Illinois. They called them Lightning and Thunder. You remember how. Um, Back in the day, USC had their lightning and thunder with, you know, uh, Reggie Bush. And then I forget who who the other one was because Bush just took up so many of the uh, headlines there. But uh, they have kind of a similar uh, pronged attack there. Um, the their thunder guy, uh, downhill runner, Georgia Tech transfer Dedrick Mills. Uh, he's got 116 yards, uh, one touchdown. That was last week against Northern Illinois. Uh, but he's a downhill runner. Uh, you know he'll get most of the carries to the middle. Um, so that's going to be an area of concern for Illinois' defensive line, uh, both in those edge guys, even uh, keeping their lanes there uh, to force that to the middle. So Jake Hansen and Daley Hardy can make those tackles up the middle. And then uh, their uh, their quick guy is Maurice Washington. I saw a couple highlights from him and he just has breakaway speed man he's a smaller back uh, under 200 pounds but man can he fly um even in the loss last week he had a really nice long touchdown run at uh or excuse me in week two when they were at colorado uh, where he just gets to the outside and boom, he's gone straight up the sideline. So um, that's Maurice Washington. He's definitely their big play, uh, breakaway type of guy, and he's also a, a great receiver out of the backfield. Can catch it in the flat, um, can run a route, um, but and then you know that just gives him open space if you get him the ball out there. So definitely uh, Illinois. Uh, I'm going to look for Milo Eifler if they're going to run those kind of swing plays or uh, flats out to Maurice Washington. Milo Eifler did a really good job at shutting them down. I know it was a much lesser opponent in Akron week one but uh, we have seen that ability from him and he's uh, definitely a gifted athlete transfer uh, linebacker out of Washington on the Illinois side. That's Milo Eifler. So um, when it comes to receivers, uh, J.D. Spielman, uh, he's just a constant threat. Uh, Martinez likes to go to him. And then you got freshman uh, Wandale Robinson uh, really fast. Uh, And then they got a couple uh, other guys that they uh, are just, you know, they're solid, solid receivers. Can I, Noah, uh, Mike Williams, and uh, Jack Stoll is the tight end that they will like to uh, release to as well. So uh, an Illinois secondary that's reeling right now, I don't know if we're going to have green, uh, you know, (laughs) the other guys that are questionable in that secondary, it's, they're going to have their hands full. That's just the bottom line. Uh, They got to step up. And I think the biggest thing is got to be safety and linebacker play in the middle. Um, And as much as you want to say you want to take away the stuff over the middle, you also, at the same time, don't want to let them get behind you. So, uh, they have guys that can burn you so uh, i would say if in this one if you're allowing chunk yardage a little bit more in those like you know seven to nine yard gains uh you can deal with that if you're not getting beaten uh, and maybe every once in a while they take a shot rushing and uh, getting to the quarterback but even then i mean martinez is fast he, he can he can uh, make plays with his feet as well so uh definitely gonna be interesting to see how uh, lovey smith decides to attack him there uh, on defense for Nebraska. Their D line is just huge. That's something that I noticed. Uh, Carlos Davis had six tackles and uh, one and a half sack. Last week against Northern Illinois, and then uh, Oklahoma State grad transfer. It uh, didn't have like the just didn't have like outstanding numbers or anything while he was at Oklahoma State, but his size itself is outstanding. Six, four, 340 pounds. That's uh, Darian Daniels. So uh, that's going to be a guy playing nose tackle. So uh, Illinois is going to have their hands full on the line for sure, keeping Brandon Peters protected, and then also with the run game. Um, you know, I say that, but uh, a guy like that. If you can get Corbin to the tackles quicker, uh, then I think you will still be able to – implement some sort of a run game. Uh, I just would not expect as much up the middle from Ravon Bonner or any of those bigger backs that they use. So uh, the, Reggie Corbin's going to be a key player when Illinois has the ball then, as he always is. Uh, their linebacker, Muhammad Barry, 28 tackles through three games, had 11 tackles versus Illinois last year. That guy can move sideline to sideline, so uh, look out for him in the middle. And then they got some experienced defensive backs, Lamar Jackson, uh, DiCaprio Boodle, uh, Cam Taylor Bitt, and uh, Braxton Clark so uh, they know what they're doing uh, it's a Scott Frost team and uh, the one area that I did say that Illinois may have an advantage I'd hinted at it earlier and that is special teams uh, Nebraska last week th- they had all sorts of I mean Northern Illinois had their problems too on special teams but man they had like a field goal block I think they had a punt blocked um they missed a field goal, just like point-blank range. Uh, so with what we've seen from James McCord over the past two weeks, I definitely would say Illinois has the advantage there in special teams. But then going back to my point uh, about last year's game at Nebraska, Illinois has to be sure on their uh, receiving end of things. Uh, no muff punts th- this uh, time around. That's what did them in last year. Uh, can't be having that this year. So Yeah. Um, Nebraska did get through and block a punt of Northern Illinois last week. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on there. You can't fall asleep uh, when you are punting the ball. So uh, that's it. That wraps up uh, Nebraska. If I'm going to go with a prediction here, uh, I'm going to say Nebraska does win. Um, Probably by two scores Uh, just last week does not have me feeling good about it. But you know what? Uh, Under the lights, I did notice, oh, a little bit of news, too, that this plays into the primetime thing. Uh, Illinois, you know, we have to do this because nobody's going to go to the game. If they don't, uh, they gave out free tickets to students, and that whole north end zone student section is sold out. So um, that is good to hear. So hopefully it's loud. uh, Hopefully it's raucous, and that can uh, be an extra advantage on Illinois' side because they'll need everyone that they can get, John.
0: Yeah, no, that's always nice when you get the student section involved. Uh, Northwestern still hasn't started class, I don't believe. I don't think they start until like the end of September, which is like really weird. So their students yeah, are... well they're on like trimesters, I think, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. I don't even know. There's when they end like
1: mid June or some shit like that.
0: All I know is like every year they don't even start class until like after like four football games. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so their student section was like a third full. So it would be nice to obviously have the student section. No one goes to those, like, 11 a.m. games. Obviously, people go to more of the night games. They get more house throughout the day, those late afternoon games. So hopefully you got a lot of crazy, rowdy, drunk college kids uh, getting under the skin of some of the big red. Um, moving on, we have Northwestern against Michigan State. Uh, it's been a pretty good matchup over the last couple of years. This is the 11th all-time meeting. Between head coach Mark D'Antonio and Pat Fitzgerald, the series is 5-5. to Fitz has five wins. D'Antonio has five wins. Fitzgerald has won four of the last five matchups. So, obviously, it started out a little lopsided in Michigan State's favor early on in uh, Fitzgerald's tenure. God, I can't even talk today. But, you know, Fitz has kind of figured it out a little bit over the last couple of years, but not to an extent that you would think. All these games have been close. Um, the biggest differential in points was last year when Northwestern beat Michigan State 29-19. to But that was one of those games where it, the score was a little bit more spread apart than the story it had actually told. That game was very close all the way up until the end. Um, offensively we'll start We have Brian Lewerke He is a senior quarterback for Michigan State I'm pretty sure he's been their guy Since Connor Cook left And I don't even think Connor Cook's in the fucking NFL anymore If that tells you like anything about how long he's been there So definitely an experienced Veteran signal caller Always going to be in the opposing team's favor If they have that uh, On the year He is 68-107 and 107 for 797 yards he has four touchdowns and one interception last year against northwestern he absolutely tore us up 329 yards through the air 31 of 51 yard uh passing attempts so he had 51 passing attempts that's insane uh one touchdown he did have an interception and that interception came late in the game and it was a very key play other than that running back wise elijah collins he's a freshman um he's from the michigan area i believe he's from detroit Six-foot, 217. He's got 44 attempts for 281 yards on the year. So going to the freshman early on, having a lot of confidence in him, uh, he was their leading uh, carry getter against Arizona State a week ago. Their second leading rusher, Connor Hayward, has only carried the ball six times in the last two games after having 15 carries the opening week. So kind of trimming his workload. He's got uh, 21 attempts for 62 yards on the year, no touchdowns. Wide receiver-wise, they have been going to Daryl Stewart a lot. Daryl Stewart's a guy who only had one catch for 15 yards last year against Northwestern as a junior. He is a senior now. He's 6'2", 216, um, kind of like a mildly big frame. He's uh, got 25 receptions for 362 yards on the year. So through three games, this dude is averaging 120 yards receiving per game. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah. So he only does have one touchdown. Obviously, like I said, he's only six two. He's probably not that big of a red zone target. But in the open field, definitely got the type of frame to make you miss. Uh, other than that, Cody White is their team's second leading receiver. Here's a guy who Northwestern didn't see last year. Uh, he's got twelve receptions for hundred twenty yards. Defensively, Joe Bachi, the uh, senior linebacker who was a uh, first team all big time going into the season. You know, he's kind of a house, definitely a household name in the state of Michigan. I know who he is because of how frequently we played Michigan state, which is another thing. Michigan state is in the East division, but I literally think we played them like three of the last four years.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I was looking back at Illinois schedule from last year. Cause I was like, I don't remember seeing them on it. And it's like, no, we did not. We, we didn't see him. Yeah. I can't honestly remember. Maybe like two years ago was the yeah, last time that Illinois even up. saw Michigan State.
0: We play them a lot, I feel like. Like, we definitely we definitely played them in 17. We definitely played them last year. Might not have played them the year before, but we definitely played them, like, the year before that, too. So, common opponent in the East. Uh, I'd rather it be them than, like, fucking Ohio State or Penn State, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Especially, at like, now. Maybe not, like, 10 years ago in Michigan State, but right now, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, definitely the team captain on defense. Um, Other than that, and the top five tacklers on their team, three of them are linebackers. So it looks like that's going to be their strong suit is their linebacking core. Um, Definitely not a good sign for a Northwestern team that needs to get the run game established, especially early on, to give Hunter Johnson some of that confidence. You know, you don't want him relying on having to pass all three downs Going into the game, that's mentally that's going to deplete him before he even starts playing. So, other than that, they do like to force turnovers. They have five forced turnovers through three games on the season, so they average about one and a half per game. Uh, two fumbles and three interceptions. Other than that, they're experienced, Johnny. They have, um, I believe, out of their eleven starters on defense, ten of them are upperclassmen, six are seniors. So, wow. veteran guys, very. Very big amount of leadership on this Michigan State team with Lawryki. You know, you got a senior quarterback. You may have a freshman running back, but you got a senior leader receiver. You know, so a lot of playmakers that are upperclassmen stepping up for this Michigan State team, which is how it's supposed to be. So D'Antonio getting the most out of his uh, guys, and you know, kind of proving that they can they can progress players properly. You know, they get these recruits, and they get they get actual effectiveness out of him um other than that special teams wise Matt Coghlan's their kicker he's a senior he's been around for a while he was in that game um against Michigan a couple years ago I believe he's that kicker that ended up kicking that game-winning field goal in that crazy ass game with like the fumble I don't remember I think it was like I think it was like three whole years ago so he's been on the team for a while uh he's seven of ten on the year he's kind of gotten chippy one of those misses is from 34 so uh, obviously, a couple other misses. he got one from 42, one from 48. Those aren't, like, chip shot field goals by any means. But, you know, they are not afraid to kick field goals. You know, they'll get the ball down to, like, the 30-yard line. That's field goal territory for them. That does, that's not always the case in college. You know, we saw it last week against UNLV. They, like, didn't even want to bring their fucking field goal kicker out on the field. So... <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I think they kicked like one field goal. It was like a 31 yarder, and the dude absolutely shanked the shit out of it. So, not every team has a good, reliable kicker. The guy may be 7 of 10 on the year, but it seems like a pretty reliable option for D'Antonio. So, something to look out for. Good to see that Kubaner, like I had said last week, kind of got his groove going heading into this week. Other than that, um,. Yeah, like you said, you hadn't seen Michigan State in a while. Um, I feel like Michigan State's just one of those teams that they rely on their defense year in and year out. Uh it seems like they're getting a good amount out of their defense this year. Last week against Arizona State was an absolute stinker. I believe they ended up losing uh what was it like ten to seven, I believe. Yeah, something In a game like that. that was just dog shit. It looked boring. I would be pissed if I was a fan of either team. And they actually ended, they should be 3-0. and I don't know if you saw at the end, they lost on a call where Arizona State went to go, like, block their game-tying or, like, game-winning field goal or whatever it may have been. And the guy, like, jumped over the center and touched the center with his foot. So that's technically, I don't know the exact terminology of the penalty, but it's like a 15-yard penalty and an automatic uh, first down. So obviously Yeah, I don't know. A- I don't
1: know if they call that encroachment, but I know it's definitely a penalty.
0: It's definitely a penalty. Yeah. And uh I, it's not like a legal use of the hands obviously, but it's something along the lines of that. And yeah, they like had issued a statement that they missed the call. So Michigan State might even be coming in with a chip on their shoulder, you know, a team that should be 3 and 0. Obviously, that could that loss could play a huge role down the
1: season. So Yeah. I would guess that it would. I mean, wouldn't you be uh, pissed off if you? If oh that my god! It, like
0: it, uh, I mean, it's that game reminded me a lot about of the Northwestern Stanford game. You know, watching it towards the end, especially with the score being ten to seven. So that, yeah, no, you know, you don't ever want to be on the wrong end of one of those games because it hurts even worse because it's such a winnable game in your eyes, but at the same time, your team played so bad that you know you have no chance of winning because you beat yourself.
1: Yeah. All right, Um, I think that wraps it up for our um, previews here. John, I want to introduce a new segment that we're going to start closing out the show with, and it's going to be trash talk. Uh, Let's trash talk our opponents here real quick. And while you think of yours, because I have something to chime in on Michigan State side too, but I'll let you deliver your remarks to them first. Uh, I'll go trash talk about Nebraska. Um, Nebraska, you are not a real Big Ten team. You're not in my Big Ten. Growing up, you were always in the Big 12 is when Big Ten decided to go to whatever the hell we are now, 14, 15 teams, Uh, that is when you joined. Uh, You still are a Big 12 team in my eyes, uh, and it is annoying uh, having to go out there and play you like we did last year. You're coming back to Illinois. Um, Remember what happened here in 2015? Remember the name Geronimo? Well, guess what? We've got our best receiver that we've had since 2015 in Josh Matterbaby. So be ready to hear that, Matterbaby all day. Boom, trash talk. Hit him with the Michigan State stuff.
0: So. <laughs> uh, Michigan State, you're trash. Uh, you haven't done shit in the East in years. D'Antonio, you're probably on the hot seat if I had to guess, especially after last week losing to Herm Edwards. It was tough to see you absolutely shun him on the after game handshake. Not always a good sign. So start winning some games. Or you're at, You're getting the fuck out of East Lansing. Uh, one of the longest tenured head coaches in the Big Ten, so that would be pretty cool to see. Not a big Michigan State guy growing up, I there was probably more Michigan State fans in my area than Northwestern fans. That's not even an exaggeration. So fuck you, Michigan State. Fuck your ugly mascot with his oversized smile, and he just looks like the he looks like the Chuck E. Cheese thing that you shared the other yeah. day, David. <laughs> um other than that fuck you nebraska too i fucking hate nebraska more than anybody (laughs) like literally i am the biggest nebraska hater nebraska all you guys do is talk shit must be nice literally not having a pro team so all you do is focus on your mediocre ass college football team that hasn't been shit since the early 90s uh other than that lewerke is he's soft and he's exposable so I hope the Northwestern linebacking crew, I hope Patty Fisher and Gaziano and all those guys getting uh Lewerke's head early and often.
1: All right. Uh, I like it, John. And we, we can think of these a little more. I did this kind of on the fly, but I think it's a good way to uh, close out the show and uh, hype, hype our teams up a little bit uh, by putting the other teams down. I like this. Uh, yeah. I do have one last hit on Michigan State, though, before uh, we close this thing out for good. Um, what in the actual fuck are those uniforms? You look that like the ones damn, with the highlighter. Yeah. you look like I a forgot. damn stick of winter green, um, laid over with a darker shade of gum on the top of it. What, like I said, what in the actual fuck are those? And who ran that by? Who from Nike approved that and made that a thing? I don't know what they're going to be wearing on the road. I, I have not seen a white jersey. I don't know if there's anything similar of that in the white. But still, I thought their uniforms before, as much as I don't like Michigan State, I thought their uniforms before looked nice and clean and cool. Those you know, kind of darker green ones uh, that they rolled with, with the white pants for home, and then the uh, uh, obviously all white for the road. I thought those looked clean, so maybe they will wear all white. Uh, you never know. But they—they've yeah, been wearing some disgusting because, highlighter uh, green ones.
0: Oh yeah, those are fucking ugly. But Northwestern's going with uh, black helmets, black jerseys, and purple bottoms, so they took all the dark
1: color scheme. So I'm sure they're going to be white on white. Yeah, I, I would guess so. Um, that's all I've got though. Um, I don't think anybody in the right. <laughs> I don't even think Michigan State fans like those, so um, th- that's my oh, last probably. dig at Michigan State. Until next week, go Cats, baby! I L L I N I. Go, line, I go.